0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. <clears throat> when I was, uh, I was very young, I had a recurring fantasy it 's like yesterday it 's amazing how you can remember the childhood images and beliefs, um, but I had this this fantasy that um, i was uh, there were limbo souls on shelves waiting to be born i didn 't know anything about Bardos, or what was how life or death worked, um, but all of these souls were waiting to be born, and uh, I was one of them on the shelf. You know, it's kind of like that little, uh, the little the little Cupid dolls in the uh, in the carnival that you, you know are there, just waiting to be knocked over, and. um, And this giant hand, which to me represented either God or God's right-hand assistant, (laughs) it was a right hand, now that I think about it, was coming down and somehow picked me, but it was supposed to be the one next to me. It's true. You know, like in the, uh, remember those machines where there's the kind of like, you you put in your quarter in the old days and grabs it and it's like that. That's, maybe that's where the fantasy came from. I don't know. But that I was picked and uh, it was really a mistake. And I could be found out at any minute and... Sent back. This is not a very pleasant fantasy, (laughs) but this is what uh, often would come to my mind that somehow I was a fraud, that I'd be found out, and um, I didn't really um, have a right to be here, or I wasn't supposed to be here. And that, um, that image or that belief had its subtle manifestations in various ways. Um, although I had a, a loving family and house household and had some friends. I had friends, I did have friends, but basically um, inside I was really uh, lonely, and very shy, and kind of felt like an alien on this planet. Anybody ever have that feeling? How did I get here? You know, <clears throat> and I I was in a family of extroverts. It was my sister and my mother and father, and my sister was a few years older, and just very sparkly and witty, and uh, you know, our family just was always having uh, lots of um, vibrant conversations um, in uh, in the kitchen. And every now and then, I'd kind of mumble something, and it would seem like it would go unnoticed. And I can remember uh, often kind of going to the bathroom afterwards and looking in the mirror and saying, how come nobody listens to me or hears me? Of course I was kind of mumbling it. So, um, <laughs> But I, in short, I, I didn't feel really comfortable in my skin around others. And in my, my teen years, um, not a good self image as many teenagers that 's common for, but you know I would wince in the when I looked in the mirror for most of my my teenage years <clears throat> so if you can relate at all to any of that, um, i i 'm here to tell you. And perhaps you're getting this on your own by now. That um, it's really possible. This stuff is really possible. It is really. If somebody said it's possible to like yourself, that would have seemed remote. Let alone love yourself. You know, not in this lifetime. It is possible. And perhaps you've been getting glimpses, if not strong experiences, whether before you've come here or since you've been here, to love ourselves, to love others unconditionally, to let in the love that's coming our way, and to more and more become an agent, become a a being of love because that's who we really are and it's it's interesting i'm i'm fortunate i'm giving this talk now it's the the fourth day of of practice of full practice is it the fourth day or the fifth day yeah because by now maybe you've settled in and it's not so much, you know, oh my God, I don't know if I can handle another moment. It's like the first couple, maybe you've had that thought today, but um, <laughs> but generally in, in the interviews uh, it, it's really um, quite extraordinary to see this kind of natural development of the heart slowly either thawing out or releasing or feeling moments of kindness towards ourselves or Towards others, and even uh, genuine openings, powerful openings, where some some people have said, "Wow, I, this is it really works," um, and it's so it's such a privilege to be on this side, especially by the fourth day it comes around. <laughs> but to, to see and to witness and to uh, support people in this process. And I want to talk tonight about the fact that it's really possible. And to whatever extent, you might have come in here with a very easy, loving heart. Fantastic. Then you know. But wherever we are, wherever we happen to be, Uh, Until you're completely free of any of the obscurations, it's possible to open even more and more so that there's nothing obstructing who you really are. And this is important to see that, uh, I think I mentioned this the, the first night, that this is our our true nature that I think we can all, to some extent, get in touch with. That there is a force in us that is yearning for happiness. That is very wholesome. I, I often ask this in the joy course. Does anybody not want to be happy here? And if you f- are fighting your hand and saying, yeah, sometimes I like being grumpy. That's understandable. That's just your way of being happy in that moment. <laughs> but we all are motivated. Everything that we do, if, if you look at it, when I look at it anyway, you can check this out for yourself, everything that we do one way or another is motivated, I think, by thinking that this will bring us, this will feel good, which really is, or feel better, or not feel as bad, but it's motivated by a wish for greater well-being. We might be very misguided in what we think will bring us happiness, as we often are. But really, when you get down to it, the source of our actions is this dimension inside of us, mysterious dimension, that is rooting for our happiness. Isn't that so? There's something in you that is rooting for your happiness, even though, You might say, I don't know how to get there. And you might feel dismay or frustration or despair or judgment for the lack of manifestation of that. But it's really because you do want to be happy. And so what we're doing here, one way I think of this, is activating that place inside of us and getting in touch with the wholesome quality of it and then getting more and more clear on where real happiness lies, which has everything to do with feeling the love that's right inside of us and being able to feel it towards ourselves, able to communicate it to others, able, and this is one of the hardest ones, able to receive it and let it in from others. This is what we really want. So, if that's what we really want, and it is central, the central motivator... And that's who we really are, what gets in the way? The mind gets in the way. And that's one of the reasons why um, mindfulness practice is so powerful, because it sheds light on the obscurations that cover up this natural goodness that wants to be expressed. And that is why in the metta practice we are cultivating those seeds as a complement to the mindfulness practice. We are cultivating the seeds and watering those seeds of well-wishing and kindness to ourselves. because that's another way to cut through the mind. As you keep on saying the phrases over And over it's like it's giving the mind something to do other than getting lost in self-judgment or fantasy or whatever that is really aligned with that positive intention and as you've probably seen from time to time the mind still gets in the way and when we get caught in our stories in our ideas in our beliefs that in itself is a contracting if it's a limiting story is a contraction of the mind of the of the whole system whenever we're getting lost in thought and it's not a wholesome thought of um, inviting and supporting that natural expression of goodness. Any kind of negative thought, that contraction is the very thing that cuts off the natural radiance of heart. So, One piece that we are looking at and that you've probably had a a number of chances to look at is um, getting in touch with the stories that come up about how you hold yourself and who you are. I was was teaching a retreat, this is many years ago, and I was uh, teaching, um, it was down at Yucca Valley and uh, I was with somebody who I knew pretty well, fairly well. I'd known, I'd known uh, her for a few years. Um, and um, she's really somebody who, who touches the heart, who just has, who's an incredibly generous person. It's one of the things that she does. It's in what she does in her job and other ways, she loves to nourish people. And uh, we, were, we had been doing some metta on the retreat, and she said, I just cannot do metta. She was one of those people like Sharda, you know, who ran out of the room and who said, you know, I can't do it, I can't, I can't, I'm incapable of doing metta, I'm incapable, I can't love. And I know why I can't love because I was never loved. And it kind of, it didn't ring true to me, especially given the fact that she's just such a generous, warm-hearted person. And I I questioned her. I didn't want to debate, but I questioned and I said, first of all, um, are you sure that you were never loved? She said, no, nope, I was never loved. I said, by anyone? She said, no. Nope. I said, well, before we go on, I just want to give you a chance to just check out and see if that's true. I, I'd li- I'll just sit here with you for a few moments and go back through your, through your life and see when you were growing up, given your parents were not, were not so loving, was there anybody who, who you were who did support you, who you did love. And we sat there for a little while, you know, maybe about half a minute, 45 seconds. And all of a sudden her eyes uh, opened and she said, oh, wait, yeah. She said, you know, now that I think about it, my brother really was always there for me. I said, you sure? She said, yeah. I said, well, could it be that he loved you? She said, how about companioned? That was what she was willing to come. (laughs) I said, "Okay, that's good enough. She said, actually, yeah, he did love me. And then she broke down and sobbed. It was a a moment we both remember. And this is like close to 20 years ago. That she said was the turning point in her not only giving naturally, but uh, letting go of that story that she was never loved, because she carried it for quite some time. Uh, and it was a powerful moment for me as well. So, this is one thing before we go on um, to just get in touch with any story. That you might have been carrying about your past, about who you are, about what you never received, that somehow limits your belief in your capacity to love and be loved. It might, it might start out with something like, because this happened to me, can fill in the blank. I can never or I'll always or if only I were different in some way. Just for a moment reflect inside and see if there's any story that you might be caring about who you are or where, what you've gone through that can get in the way, any belief that you might have had or hold. And just reflect, what if it weren't true? What if you just saw it as a story that has kept you disconnected from the full expression of your being? Okay, you can open your eyes if you like if you see anything in there uh, not to see it with judgment but actually to to celebrate the awareness because if we don't see those stories they're operating in an insidious way and coloring our reality but seeing them as humbling as they might be is great news I love uh, uh, Pema Chodron's line, uh, take delight in that which sees the dukkha. Or as, as Joseph says, the not seeing of dukkha is dukkha. But once you see it, oh, okay, this is something I can work with. This is something not only I can work with, this is something in the metta practice that you bring the metta right there to the ways that you cut yourself off or sell yourself short. That's where the rubber really meets the road in the metta. It's not just saying the phrases, but it's bringing metta to the shadow stuff that we see. And all the feelings that come up, all the The judgments that come up or the sadness or the loneliness or whatever it is the fear when that comes up that's when we hold it with a kind awareness and in that you are transforming your relationship to all the ways that you get caught and stuck you might have a story another way that we the mind gets caught or contracts, it traps us into what it's supposed to look like, what metta is supposed to look like. This is another obstacle to the metta practice. And people say, you know, well, I'm feeling, you know, okay. I'm feeling basically kind, but it's not it's not an explosion, you know, basically. You know? It's not a gusher. You know? it's, it's just kind of a low-level kindness. That's good. Don't underestimate a low-level <laughs> kindness because <laughs> in, the, in that, in the moment that your mind says this isn't enough, you've just closed off the channel because you're not matching some kind of high impossible measurement and even that little trickle stops. But if instead you can pay attention to the trickle and see, oh, this is this is a a feeling of okayness or of expansion, just the slightest kind of expansion, That's good enough. Then all you need to do is really pay attention to it. To just first see, oh, there is this capacity. And second, to just give it attention, give it more airspace. Instead of how it doesn't measure up, just feeling, oh, this is a a warmth. This is a a feeling of well-being or of well-wishing. That's where I I said in the the first uh, day or two, you know, don't go for loving kindness. Just go for kindness. Just go for a basic warmth. Because the main idea is to have a sense of expansion. Loving kindness or metta is an expansion, an expansive quality. All the wholesome states are expansive qualities and all the unwholesome states that are associated with suffering are contracting. Whether it's greed, hatred, delusion, fear, confusion, sadness, all all of them, judgment, self-judgment, all of them, they're all contracting, going this way. So that's the beauty where if you've been going this way, And there's even just the slightest movement in the opposite direction. Fantastic! Celebrate that and notice, oh, it's going in this direction. As soon as you say, bring it on, I want more, you've just contracted and it will go in the opposite direction. So it's very, very subtle, but to really see that any movement in the direction of openness is supporting your loving kindness. That's uh, that's one of the reasons that we are really encouraging you to um, to remember your good qualities. You know that uh, that passage that you've heard twice now. Spring didn't know that I told her afterwards, I said, I read the, the Babemba tribe too. She said, oh my god! <laughs> I said, don't worry about it. It came out just, it came out in its own way and it was just beautiful coming out through you. But that, that idea of recalling the goodness when you're feeling really rotten about yourself, just recalling any of the good qualities that's a movement towards openness and towards expansion and in the meta practice it's a very wholesome thing to bring up and recall those good qualities because part of the deal is you're going to see all the other stuff that gets in the way the shadow is going to come up how could it not if you're saying may I be loving may I be peaceful, may I be happy, may you... And there's, you see all the stuff that's not there that you can't hide from. Of course it's going to come up. How perfect that it comes up. If you can see that's part of the process. And that's where it's important to bring metta to that stuff and to remember the goodness in there too. Ajahn Sumedho has uh, a beautiful um, uh, teaching on metta. He says, uh, metta, when you see your anger and your fear and your self-loathing and stuff like that, it's not that metta means, oh, I love my self-loathing. I love all my faults. That's a bit too much to expect. But he says uh, metta means um, to not dwell in aversion to them, to to hold them with a friendliness that is embracing. Just like you hold if you're a parent, right? Or even if you're not a parent with Uh, with any child you you know it's easier with children you love the whole package not that you love everything you know about your child but you love enough that being and that essence that you take the quirks and the 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 uh, aggravations in Yiddish it's called the tsuris. You take all the, oh, okay, there's this too, yeah, yeah. but you, you just hold it all because you love that being. And there's enough goodness that you can see in that being that just allows you to embrace it all. But it's because you can also see the goodness that's so obvious when you get in touch with that love, for that being. In the same way, when you're doing metta for yourself, it's really essential to see your own goodness. Because that's what wants to come out. And in the classical metta, you reflect on your positive qualities. <clears throat> and it's so, it might be easier to see the positive qualities in somebody else, but it's somehow a bit harder. It, as, as an example I often use, just suppose you met somebody who really understood you, who really um, um, loved your sense of humor, got your jokes, and really... Um, Understood your take on the world your hopes and your fears and who you really felt Got you How would you feel about meeting somebody like that? Wouldn't you be happy? There's one person that gets every joke that goes through your head (laughs) There's one person That completely gets where you're coming from. Unfortunately they're right inside your own skin but if you met yourself from the outside you'd probably be saying where have you been all my life? (laughs) God finally how wonderful to hang out with you. But it's just this kind of, uh, Einstein has this this message, uh, this this phrase, um, we live in an optical delusion of consciousness. And from where we are in our own head, one way to apply this optical delusion, we can't see reality from the outside. And so we have this distorted view of who we are. And you don't see what others see. What is so obvious to others often, not always. And maybe if you do see, you get the picture. But once you see it, everything changes. I was doing my own um, um, longest period of practice of, of doing metta and brahma-viharas. It was a, a six-week um, uh, period. And the first week or so, I was doing meta for myself, which you know wasn't so easy. It was okay. I'd done some meta and uh before and and i w- at that point, I was feeling okay enough about myself that i wasn't completely you know bashing myself in and i was i generally it was okay, and I was saying, you know may I be safe, may I be?" Happy, may be healthy, may peaceful. It was, it was, it wasn't great, but it was okay. And after about three days, um, the thought came to me of somebody who really I knew really loved me. There's no question this person loved me. I didn't know why, but it was clear this person loved me. And I thought this would be so easy if. I could only see what they saw. And then I had this little flip of consciousness that made me ask, what do they see? Why do they love me so much? And um, it was a radical moment in my life. And I I uh, hit upon this metta that I've used very effectively for myself and and share with others as well that I'd just like to share with you for a moment. So just uh, try this exercise with me. I'd like you to close your eyes and um, bring to mind somebody who really loves you. It can be a child, it can be a pet, it could be um, somebody who you share an easy love with. And um, just for a few moments feel that ease and that flow of love between you how sweet it is to be in the same space together that you both create you both share and now for a moment imagine inhabiting their reality and from their perspective Look through their eyes or from their mindset and see who they see when they're with their friend. Why they love to hang out with their friend. Might be your goodness or your playfulness or your creativity or just notice all of it. There's probably many things that touch them about you. Notice all of it. Drink yourself in, one one poet says. And really get, get who you are and see, see if this person, their friend, is worthy of kindness and happiness and love. You might even... Send yourself from that vantage point. May you really be happy and see all the goodness inside. And then let your consciousness float back so it's right inside your own skin. And from the inside, stay connected to those qualities that shine through you, whether you realize it or not. And again sending yourself those thoughts may i or may you either first or second person be happy and see all the goodness inside and feel all the love inside okay you can open your eyes now if you could even just touch for a moment a glimpse of what your friend sees, that's enough. Then you can't pretend you don't have that capacity. And it's just a matter of watering it more and more. And if you weren't able to, then that's okay. It doesn't mean that's who you are all the time, it might be just where you are right now. And it also. Is clear that that's where, you know, important work is. But whether you realize it or not, it just shines through you. That's the amazing thing. You think, oh, if people knew who I really am, they wouldn't blah blah blah. And you're the only one that doesn't know who you really are. <laughs> you know, you're you're the you know in in the in the dark. Everybody else is feeling all of those beautiful qualities from time to time that shine through. And you kind of say, well, yeah, well, that's what I'm supposed to be, but oh, is all this. And so we get kind of focused on the flaws. And so there's a reorientation when you see the goodness in the context of some flaws in there, rather than, you know, oh, I'm, I'm flawed with a few good qualities. Instead, Oh, I'm basically good. I'm basically a decent human being, and there are some flaws here that make me human. There's a, a beautiful uh, line from the Third Zen Patriarch, which I find so important. Um, it says To live in the highest realization, to live in this realization, is to be without anxiety about non perfection. That's the highest realization to be without anxiety about non perfection. Not to be perfect, uh uh-uh, uh, but to just be okay with being human and to be able to hold it all and love it all. And of course, the comparing mind gets in there because there we are, social animals, and we compare ourselves against whoever it is the conceit of I am as it's called in the in the teachings this is uh, the Buddha who says one who thinks oneself equal to others or superior or inferior for that very reason disputes but one who's unmoved under those three conditions for that person the notions equal superior and inferior do not exist for one who's free from such t- from views, there are no ties. For one who's delivered by understanding, there are no follies. But those who ask, grasp after views and opinions like these, they wander about in the world, annoying people. <laughs> and you know who gets annoyed most. We annoy ourselves by these un... Inconceivable comparisons when I was first teaching and giving Dharma talks. In, uh, the first few years, this is at Yucca Valley, it's like 150, 175 people, and I'd be teaching um, with Joseph Goldstein. Joseph would give the talk and just blow everybody away with his clarity, right? And then Jack Cornfield would give the talk and just kind of cast a spell over everybody. (laughs) And then Sharon Salzberg would give a talk and the tears would be flowing from the meta, (laughs) right? And then it would be my turn, you know? (laughs) And I knew if I was in the audience, I'd be saying, get that guy off, (laughs) get Goldstein back on, you know? (laughs) And it was really painful. It was so painful. And I went to... um, To meet with uh, Ramdas, who was, for me, a a very uh, major mentor and and teacher, and I I explained to him, you know, this is—it's just so so difficult. It's so, you know, I can't can barely open up my mouth sometimes, you know, and then I do, and okay, you know, what can I do? And he said, you know, there already is a Joseph Goldstein you're not going to be another Joseph Goldstein. You cannot be as good a Joseph Goldstein as, as he is. But you can be a good Jamie Barris. I was Jamie in those days. Why not be the best Jamie Barris you can be? Nobody can be as good as you can. And it was, it's so, it's so simple And yet it's so profound there has never been another you in all of history and time and you are this perfect expression of life you know what makes you think that you don't belong or that you're not as good do you go into to a a forest and say Gee, if only that tree was a little less gnarled, you know, (laughs) and straight like the other ones, you know. All the trees make up the forest. All the beautiful flowers have their own expression. And it's just like that. You are your, your own perfect expression of life. And to really see that. And instead of getting in touch with how you don't measure up, why not see how you do measure up? Why not see how life has man- manifested just the way it does in you? Because we have all that we need, not only in our capacity to shine, but also in our capacity to take care of ourselves. How, you know, how you might ask, how can uh, this fragmented, conditioned self That I get caught in that doesn't ever seem to be enough. How could it get big enough to love unconditionally this whole being? Well, it can't. Not that part of you. But you have to realize that you're bigger than who you think you are. Much bigger. That there is a part of you that can receive and open and hold it all. And you've been doing it. I just want to underscore something that maybe you might get from the, from the back end. You've been doing it. Every time when you see yourself crumbling or fall or small or, or just... In pain, and you can have a moment of kindness with it and hold it. Who is doing the holding? Who is doing the loving? Sometimes we might need somebody else to be there and hold. And be a witness for us. And that's why we have Sangha. That's why we have like minded friends. That's why we can see our reflection maybe in others m- sometimes more easily than we can. But even if you can take that in and believe in somebody's belief in you, you know, then. You're starting to have that capacity to see your goodness and hold it. This is this is something that uh, also I, I like to do, and just just try this, okay? Close your close your eyes and put your hand on your on your heart, and just get in touch with that part of you that that's that maybe you've seen that's that sometimes gets afraid or that's felt small in these last few days or confused or in some way um, hard to accept that's basically a little child in a big body I think of us as all little boys and girls in big bodies especially when we get confused and frightened and for a moment bring some tenderness to that confused part. What it needs is just a little bit of reassurance and love, and see if you can receive it, just receiving that tenderness, and then realize That you're the hand too. You're the hand that's giving yourself that compassion and love. So you're both the one who receives, the one who needs, and the one who can take in, and the one who can give that understanding and that compassion. Just, just the way you can because you understand and it it's like it completes the circuit that's where the wholeness comes in the wise part of you and loving part that can give and the small part that can receive you have just what you need okay you can take your hand off isn't that amazing And every time that you're bringing metta kindness to that part of you, that's the real metta practice. That's it. You know, the phrases kind of condition that so that it's more available. But when you're going home in your daily life, it's less likely that the phrases are going to be going 24-7 in your mind But this capacity that says, oh dear, you're trying so hard, that's where the practice will bear its real fruit. And you can both celebrate and uh, appreciate that goodness and that capacity, but also not take ownership of it. There is something really beautiful in you that's, that's able to do that, And yet, where did it come from? Where did your unconditional love come from? You say, hey, I've got some pretty good unconditional love here. (laughs) It just springs naturally from you. So it's both rejoicing in it and seeing it's just coming through you. It's that capacity in your heart to love. And the beautiful thing is that the more you see it in yourself, the more you can see it in others. And it doesn't have to be, oh, I've got to perfect this before I can open up to loving others. But it's a, a kind of synergistic process that as you can see your own goodness, then you can see it around you. Many people know that for me one of my uh, main inspirations uh, was um, the guru that Ram Das writes about Neem Karoli Baba also known as Maharaji and uh, Neem Karoli Baba used to say um, the best form to worship God is every form and what that translated for me as a practice was to keep looking for the good wherever I can. That's how you worship God or um, take refuge in the Dharma, to really keep looking for the good. And it's there, more likely you will find it if you look for it. I used to be a school teacher for many years. I know there's a number of teachers here and um, I bow to you, all the, all the teachers, um, and I just want to put in a line that they're perhaps the most important um, people in our society. I did it for a number of years, teaching kids. Uh, it's much easier in some ways to teach grown-ups, especially to be still and be quiet. Than, uh, <laughs> um, but when I'd start each year Um, I had a little challenge for myself to find the goodness and unlock every child's heart. It was my, my little game for myself. And some kids, it was just like you had to put on shades because they kind of, you know, sparkle so much. But other kids didn't learn that or in some way found other ways that they learned to get attention. But Sooner or later, in a quiet moment or in some um, some encounter, generally, in the right circumstances they'd they could let me in and uh, it's a fantastic practice to just keep on looking for the good because when you look for the good that's what you draw out as I often say. If somebody is looking at you and you know that they're looking at all your flaws, how do you feel? Flawed, right? Somebody else might know all your flaws but they are tuning into to how beautiful you are. How do you feel? Beautiful. So we have this capacity to draw it out of others as We look for it. If we look for how people are going to disappoint us, we will probably find it. If we look for how people um, will act in crazy ways and stupid ways, we will find it. But to have your radar out for the goodness, you will more likely bring it out and particularly with our loved ones it's amazing how we can love somebody and then when we get a little contracted tune into their flaws you know it can really drive you crazy god i'm supposed to love this person and they just bug me they bug the hell out of me because that's the lens you're looking through and in a moment the loving kindness turns to its enemy of ill will or its near enemy, even of attachment. Here's a, another little, uh, since you're doing, uh, you're sending out the loving kindness, just uh, here's another little experiment. Very quickly, close your eyes and think of somebody who you have a lot of love for, who you really love to see happy and have an image of them in a very, happy moment just feeling your love and send them that love may you really be happy and see them smile and receiving it may you be filled with ease and notice how it feels to send that to them in your body in your mind in your heart may you may you be happy may you feel my love for you And now for a moment, think of times when you want something from them, when you don't want them to disappoint you or let you down or behave in a certain way. Notice how that feels inside, in your body, in your mind, in your heart. I won't leave you here. Take a breath. Take a nice breath. And then once again, just wish them well. And see them smile. May you really be happy. Get in touch with how much you really do wish them well. Notice the difference. Notice how it feels in your body, in your mind, in your heart. The wholesome state of just wishing them well as opposed to the painful state of wanting an attachment. Okay, open your eyes. So it's letting go of the agenda as you come with love. People want to move into your space. Even, even the difficult will do the difficult One's tomorrow. It's coming. You know. <laughs> and it's possible to just see them in a different way and to see you have that capacity like the Dalai Lama seeing everybody and blessing everybody. The amazing thing is when you can enter into that relationship of just meeting somebody in love, whose love is it? Who does the love belong to? I was having a just a really um, sweet interview today with somebody, and it was just kind of like we're in this field of loving energy, and it was like you know it didn't belong to anyone. It was like well, this is groovy, you know. So it's really just love finding itself as this person left a poem that she'd written looking deeply love looks back at me looking deeply love sees itself looking deeply never leaving and it's amazing the Infinite flavors of love that there are. You know, we have 12 interviews a day, 12 different flavors of love, you know, that you can experience. There's an infinite number of combinations when two beings get together, they form this, they co create this um, amazing, magical unique expression of love. That's a pretty amazing universe. So as you are more in touch with that love which doesn't belong to you, which is just finding itself, you awaken it in everybody else. I'll close with uh, this quote by Mayor Baba. Mm. love and coercion can never go together but though love cannot be forced on anyone it can be awakened in them through love itself. Love is essentially self-communicative. Those who who do not have it catch it from those who have it. True love is unconquerable and irresistible and it goes on gathering power and spreading itself until eventually it transforms everyone whom it touches. So let's sit for a moment. And just enjoy resting in that field of love that you are without needing to do anything to make it better. And know that it's possible. for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit Seed